today I want to talk to you about the promised Messiah. The promised Messiah named Jesus. Pastor Jeff and I and the teaching team have been talking about the promises of the Old Testament in this series most of the month of December. And I want to wrap up this series by talking about the greatest promise ever made, and that was that we would have a Savior that would come to this earth and be born. And it's prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would be born. Now, I want you to just open up your heart to what God wants to say to you because sometimes we take for granted some of these prophecies. A prophecy can be two things in the Old Testament. One is called foretelling, which is an authority over your life that's, that's investing in you. Like, you're going to be a woman of God. You're going to be used by God. You're going to be a man. You're going to have a mantle on you. That's not foretelling. Foretelling is also prophecy, which means predicting the future. So today I'm talking to you about two instances in the Old Testament that are foretelling. They are predicting the future. One is in Isaiah 7:14, And Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, who is that talking about? Mary. Mary will conceive and give birth to a son. Who is that talking about? Jesus. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which is, means God with us. The scripture actually points to the manner in which he will be born and that he will be named and it will come through a virgin. The, the second part of this is the prophet named Micah. In Micah chapter 5 it says, but you, Bethlehem, what's significant about Bethlehem? Yeah, here we go. You are small among the clans of Judah, but out of you will come one, who is it? Jesus, who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This is actually naming the town that the Messiah is going to be born in. Now here's what I want you to know. The Isaiah's prophecy is like 700 years before it happened. Micah's is like 800 years before it actually happened. That means God has a bigger plan than my lifetime. Would you agree? Anybody 700? Anybody feel 700? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is crazy. And prophets and leaders and scribes were reading these prophecies going, when is this going to happen? It's been 100 years. It's been 200 years. It's, been, it's never going to happen. God has a bigger plan than you might know. Now, here's the problem with the master plan. Usually it needs some changes. You ever build a house? You ever work with something? You're, you're developing it, and you get in there, and you kind of have to tweak it a little bit? God didn't have to tweak it a little bit. Now, if I, I, I'm, I'm just wired this way, like if you told me your plans for something and a problem you're in, I will help you start solving the problem. My brain just does that. It's just like, I need to help you here. Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about, how many of you are like that? And so when I read a prophecy like this, now I know it's, it's happened already, but if, had I been back in the day and had an audience of God, I would have been saying stuff like, God, I think you jumped the gun a little bit on this plan. Because 
who's going to marry a virgin? You picked a time in Jewish history where no man is going to marry a woman who is pregnant. That, that's not going to happen. So let's, let's go forward a little while. Let's get out of that culture and let's pick a different time frame when that wouldn't have been so shocking. God says, no, I, I, got, I got a plan. And it's going to be in Bethlehem. What do you mean Bethlehem? They're in Nazareth. That is 60 miles away. You don't, just, you don't just hop in your car and go 60 miles up the road to Bethlehem. You walk or ride a donkey. This is ridiculous. Why did, God, why did you say Bethlehem? If you had said Nazareth, then you got Joseph there, you got Mary there, it's all good, it'd be convenient. God says, I got this. Why? He's God. God's plan, are you ready for this? <laughs> Exceeds yours. <laughs> I know it's hard to hear. I know it's hard to hear because you are a planner. And you can't always see the picture. It doesn't look like what you would have done, but it's God. And then we got to somehow get the wise men there, those astrologers, put a big old star out there and make it shine and make them curious and make them walk possibly for years to get to this place. And oh, by the way, God put a, put a big old, I mean, I can see God saying to Gabriel, the angel, get a big old light, shine it down on that hill for the shepherds and scare them to death. But then say, fear not. <laughs> the, the Christmas, I'm not kidding. I've read it all. The Christmas story has so many moments when God just freaks people out. And then the angel says, fear not. I'm already terrified. It's like a little late. All of these things have to happen. Prophecy being foretold because God has a plan. Why couldn't I believe perhaps he has a plan for me? Now we're going to jump into it. Now, how many of you are worried I haven't even gotten to point one yet? Some of you are like, I can see you with your pen. You're like, Come on, man, we're going to be here forever. you, you got to get, we'll be just fine. Number one, God's plan is always bigger than you think. God's plan is always bigger than you think. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Luke 2, this passage, and I'm going to talk about it as I, as I walk through it. At that time, okay, what's the time? This is the time for Jesus to be born. That's what, that's what Luke is actually saying here. The Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. What? Just stop right there. So, so is, is, like, is like Augustus and God, are they really connected? Like Augustus woke up one day and said, God, should I do a census? No, if you read history at all, Augustus had nothing to do with God. Didn't even believe in God. Had all kinds of gods. Why would he... Why would he call for a census if God didn't tell him to? Oh, God can move the nations. God can move kingdoms. God can move on the hearts of people when they don't even know it's him doing it. Okay, well, that feels good. I like this God. <laughs> he didn't have a hookup with Augustus. His will, his plan, the prophecy will be fulfilled. Why? Because God declared. 
That's huge. It's the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. This is not something that happened all the time. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to... Oh, 800 years. Just like that. Notice it says he had to go. It was the law. It wasn't a happy picnic day. He had to go to Bethlehem, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He had to go. How many things do you have to do? You ever thought about that? How many things do you really have to do? Probably not many. But Joseph, it couldn't have been at a worse time. And that's going to take me to the next point. God knows how to make it happen. Not only is God's plan bigger than yours, but he also has the ability to make these things happen that he has, has declared would happen. And he can make them happen without your approval in kingdoms that don't believe in him with people who don't think he exists because he's God. And so we underestimate God all the time. Just think about that for a moment. Think about it. God is not nervous about what's happening in the world today. There is a bigger plan than what you and I know, and we probably can't comprehend it. He took, who's he in verse 5? Joseph. Joseph took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged. He almost broke up with her. We'll look at that in a minute. That's another thing that God broke into. Who was now expecting a child, of course. How many months pregnant was she? Nine. <laughs> Ladies, is that a good sign? <laughs> Joseph shows up and says, hey, honey, let's take a 60-mile walk. Let's head on up to Bethlehem. Well, nine months pregnant, I know. You can ride a donkey. <laughs> oh. I would be saying, God, what are you thinking? I said yes, okay? He was going to break up with Mary. Now he's probably wishing he had. <laughs> Mary's so pregnant. Is it possible God just might be at work? He's got to get them to Bethlehem. They don't know this. They don't know this. You don't know? You, you, I'll tell you the key word right now, the word circumstances. Put it in your brain. Write it down. I hear people say, well, considering the circumstances, boom. That, that makes a light come on in my heart. Circumstances are used by God all the time. He doesn't always create all of our circumstances. I need to say this from a theological viewpoint. I believe in free will. And you could walk out of here today and step in front of a train and die. I hope you don't. You could choose to take drugs and die. You could choose to do a lot of things that would harm you, but that isn't God's plan or his will for you. But he does have a plan. And I'm telling you, when you're in a circumstance that's bigger than you and you're not sure what to do, pay attention. 
send the antenna up just a little higher and say, okay, this will be interesting. Why now, Joseph? Why do we have to go? I'll tell you why. Because God has a plan. Remember the prodigal in the Bible, Luke 15? Remember this story? Some of you have a prodigal. You have a son or a daughter or a grandchild. Listen, this is what this is. This past Wednesday night, we had a great crowd of people who gathered to pray for prodigals. And we had like 557 sticky notes with first names. We only want their first name. And we brought the cross in here this weekend, and this is just from Saturday night and, and the last service. At the end of this service, if you are praying for a prodigal to come home, I want you to put their first name and stick it on that cross. Our staff is going to pray every day for every name that you put up here. I mean it. We are. And I'd love to have you join us in doing that. Why? Because God has a plan for prodigals. Now here's the warning. When the prodigal came home in Scripture in Luke 15, what woke him up? Where was he when he woke up? Do you remember? The pig pen. The pig pen. God used the pig pen and the food that the pigs ate to remind the prodigal that his plan was better. When you pray for the prodigal, the plan might include pain. It might include suffering. You know, statistically, how many people come to faith through suffering, through, through a challenge in their life, through, here we go, circumstances? If they end up in jail, I had a wonderful lady from our church weeping just a few weeks ago saying, my son is in jail and I'm praying for him. We prayed together. And I just felt this thing to say to her, he's exactly where God wants him to be. She said, jail? <laughs> I said, yep. He's probably not going to get in a lot of trouble, especially the kind of trouble he was getting into. And let me tell you something. God lives in the jail. God is there. Every cell, every person, God is there. It might be in the pig pen. It might be because of an accident. It might be an overdose. It might be something horrific. And you go, how could this be happening? I'll tell you how. God has a master plan, though he won't put this on people. Their choices, God will be there. And almost everyone makes bad choices when they're not walking with God. I make enough bad ones and I am walking with God. How about you? We're going to pray for prodigals. Number three, our plans may be interrupted by God's purpose. Now this, I don't always like this. If you're a planner, you don't really like God's interruption. It's like, I thought I had this all figured out. Can you just go along here with me? But in verse 6, the whole story kind of finds itself here. While they were there... <laughs> Where? Who's they? Joseph and Mary. While they were where? Bethlehem. Of course the time came for the baby to be born. 
She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger. Here's the kicker. Because there was no lodging available for them. You ever thought about this? I'm all the way up here in Bethlehem. We walked, God. We're about to have a baby. And Mary's like, the water broke. Hey, I went to Lamaze class with my wife, Bonnie. Anybody else do that? I got to tell you something. My breathing helped her zero. (laughs) Zero. Absolutely none. She's like, Bonnie was like, okay, when, I, when it really gets painful, just massage my feet because that's what I really love. So she, she's really going into pain and I go down and I start massaging. Her. Don't touch my feet! <laughs> Actually, if you know Bonnie, she said it more like, honey, please don't touch my feet. Well, maybe a little more aggressive than that. <laughs> what do you mean there's no lodging? This just doesn't sound very nice of God. They said yes. He stayed married to her. They're having God's son. Wouldn't you think? God, where are you? Some of you are doing that right now. You're saying, God, where are you? I've been faithful. I've, I've been giving. I've been serving. I'm doing everything I know to do. And where's the lodge? Where's your provision? It's not what you think. But God is still with you. Don't forget that. The Bible uses an interesting word when it talks about Mary later. It says she pondered all of these things in her heart. It it means to mull around, to, and I'm sure they're sitting there. I I bet they had discussions like Joseph saying, I'm so sorry. I can't believe we're out in this field or in this cave. And she's like, we have to just trust God. We know God gave us this baby. Remind me, remind me, remind me, remind me. Some of you need to be reminded today. Emmanuel, God is with you. But I don't feel him. I know. I've been there too. He didn't provide. No, not in the way you wanted him to. His plan's bigger than yours. The minute he fits into your little plan, it's all messed up. I, we, this summer, Bonnie and I went on a little road trip up to Montana to see one of her siblings uh, up in that Kalispell, beautiful area up there. And, uh, and we came, we're going down the interstate, and we saw these red lights flashing, and we came up to these cones that are making us go off the road, and there's a state trooper standing there. And, and he said, there's a fire. It's crossing the interstate a few miles ahead. The interstate is now closed. Sorry, you're going to have to go clear up. And it was like a two-hour, you know. There are not a lot of roads in Montana, honestly. <laughs> and it is a big state. How many of you know that? And, and so we're like, I did not want to go there. I did not want to go there. And, you know, I started thinking, okay, maybe God has a purpose. Maybe I'm going to stop for lunch and this waiter's going to be ready to fall on their knees to accept Jesus. And I'm going to say, the detour had purpose. Bonnie and I will join hands in the car and pray that we can have another detour on the trip to 
lead someone to the Lord. No, nothing happened. Nothing. That I know of. We're going to be surprised when we get up there at all the times God intervened in our behalf and we had no idea. And our eyes are open and we go, what? He did what? I didn't even know that. 800 years. 700 years is a glance to God. Just a glance. He sees it all. You say, what I'm doing doesn't matter. Oh, it might not in this generation. Maybe in 100 years, your investment in that grandchild or that great-grandchild and then their great-great-great-great-great-grandchild, maybe then, maybe then there'll be fruit from your love and your care over a person in your family. You don't know. I don't know. I just know that God is faithful. All right, last, last thing, number four. Trusting God means, and I've just called it active surrender. Active surrender. And here's why I put it that way. Because I think I've had times in my life when I surrendered and I thought sort of like I was done. Okay, God, I surrender to you. I'm yours. You use my life however you want. And then I go on and live my life. But <laughs> what, I've learned, what I've learned is that uh, active surrender is sort of a daily thing. It's sort of like, uh, am I still surrendered? Not so much. And that's what, that's what this story in Matthew 1, and I'm just going to, I've referred to it already, but I want to read it in Scripture about Joseph. Because this is a real battle for him. He, if you read the verses before verse 20 in Matthew 1, it says he was going to break up with Mary. Here's a godly guy about to walk away from the plan of God. Why? He didn't understand. And God has to tackle him. And here's the point. God is capable of tackling you. You can trust that. As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her in fact was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah. 700 years before, and we read it again. It's in Matthew. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give him birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And then verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he made a decision. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. But they did not have sexual relations until the son was born. Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph decided to be obedient to the dream that God had given him. Self-control, all of these things were happening in his life. All because God had a plan that was bigger. Now let me give you three things that I'd like for you to attempt. I've been attempting these three things this week. I've, I've made it a couple times, I've failed a couple times. But they're really simple, but in Christmas week, I think these are all really important. Number one is, Try to practice like a pause when you're frustrated 
Practice just a pause in order to think. You know how you hit the little two-line thing, it's a pause button and whatever? When you're going in a situation that could be tough, maybe it's family Christmas, maybe it's someone that you don't get along with, a co-worker, whatever, find the pause button in your emotions. So yesterday, I, was, it, was it crazy busy yesterday out driving around? Like, I don't know if it was just me or... I was on Harmony Road, and I mean, I haven't seen that many cars. There are a lot of people that live here. It's crazy. And I, I was like, what is going on? I waited like two whole times for the rotation of the traffic light. Now, that doesn't always happen. We don't have traffic, you know, that bad. And it was like, this is nuts. And there's just so many people. And I don't know if you know this, but we have in Fort Collins some bad drivers. <laughs> Would you agree? None of you. None of you. It's like, and man, I just, I about got hit, and this, this car was driving crazy, and have you ever seen the weavers and bobbers? You know what I mean? It's just, they're just working so hard to get like one lane up, and we're all at the next red light, and everyone's kind of smiling at them like, idiot. Right? You're wasting your time. <laughs> it was that. And I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is dangerous. I'm like, I wanted one of those big old trucks with those big old grill guards on the front and just put it in four-wheel drive and punch it. You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I paused. <laughs> I paused. <laughs> Boop. Oh. I just paused. Number two is... Trust God when things get strange. Now, I use that word on purpose. And I don't think I've ever used that word in a, in a fill-in before because strange can mean a lot of things, but here's what I mean by it. If things are just not going your way to such a degree that it's too bad to just be circumstantial, God might be at work. God might really have you there for a reason. This is just too crazy. I don't know if you can do this. Bonnie's jealous that I can do this, but I can have a dream. And if my dream gets too bad in the dream, right in the middle of the dream, I will stop and I will say, I'm having a dream. Anyone else do this? Isn't that fun? And then it's like once you realize you have a dream, you can just take them out. You know, it's like <laughs> really fun. I'm having a dream because I know that I can't walk upside down on a cliff like that. So this must be a dream. And then it'll, it'll usually within a few seconds, it'll wake me up. But sometimes in life, when you, when you have something strange happening and it seems to be kind of overwhelming or bigger than what you thought it should be, this just isn't normal. I want you to just stop for a moment and go, God, there's no, there's no lodging for me here in Bethlehem. What's up with that? I think, I think there's a reason. I need to listen a little more. I need to look around who's in the room. I need to pay attention. Did you send me here on purpose? Because I'm ready. I'm not going to live irritated because I don't get it the way I want it. Why? Because my life has been surrendered, and I'm choosing to daily surrender. Not my will, but yours be done. Listen, easy talk, hard to live. I get it. The last one. Try to see a bigger picture. 
You can't see 800 years down the road. I get that. But if you can try your best to at least understand God can, there have been many times when I say, I don't understand that. I've had a few things happen in my role here at Timberline through the years where I go, I still don't understand it. Don't know why that all happened. But it did. And it's going to make sense somewhere down the road, or it's not, or when I get to heaven, I'm going to have some questions. And that's okay. Why? Because this walk is a walk of faith, and it requires trust. Some of you are there right now, and I want to pray for you. I want to ask God to help you. Would you just bow your head for a moment? Here's what I want to do. If you would say, with, with just your eyes closed, your head bowed, just, it's private. I need to see a, you're going through something right now. You need to see a bigger picture than what seems to be right in front of you. Because whether it's bad news, horrible news, or just uncomfortable, whatever it is, you say, God might not show you the bigger picture, but by raising your hand, here's what you're saying. You're saying, I'm aware that it's possible that God has a way bigger picture than what I know right now. And I'm going to be faithful as I walk through this season in my life. Hold it up right now and put it right back down. No one's looking. God, you see the heart. You see the way this person is wired. You see what they grab, what they don't grab, what they do, what they don't do. You see all about them and you have a plan for this. And faith is coming to the surface in us to say, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you when we don't understand it and we don't see it and we don't know how or why, but thank you in advance that you're a God who knows stuff. And I yield. Just yield right now. Just say, I yield. I surrender. It's yours. I'll do whatever you put in my heart to do. I'll do it. But I'm going to pause and I'm not going to make it worse by jumping in the middle of something I shouldn't be in. Help me, Lord. Lead me and guide me. If you're here separated from Jesus and you don't know him, you don't walk with him, right now, if you want to take a step of faith to say, Lord, be my Savior. Be my Lord. On this day, I believe in you. I give you my life and my future. Just tell him. He's right here with you. Lord, we pray all these things in your mighty name. We love you so much. And we thank you. Be with each person here for your glory. Amen. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. A couple things I want to say before we sing a song and head out. We have some invitations that you can pick up to invite people to Christmas Eve. And I'm going to invite you in a moment. I'm going to lead us in a prayer for those who come on Christmas Eve. We have a lot of people who come. And we're the only church a lot of times that these people actually go to. I I love the story of the guy that came up to me in the grocery store and said, Oh, hi, aren't you Pastor Darry? I said, Yeah. He said, um, we go to Timberline. I said, what service? He said, uh, Christmas Eve and, and Easter. <laughs> and I said, great. <laughs> he was so sincere. Well, I think he's going to be here next Sunday. Um, and, and, and these seats are, are going to have people in them that don't come very often. And I just want to say to you, be really nice. Give up your seat if you need to. Help people get in. Help serve because a lot of these people, we're the only gospel they're going to know. And, and so anything you can do to help serve. And, and we're praying for our services. Um, we've said pray one, attend one. We actually have set up a room for our prayer teams 
If you want to attend a service and then pray for the next one, they're only 30 minutes long. And so it's a half an hour in between. So if you want to do that, you can sign up back here to do that. We'll have a room and we'll, we'll get you hooked up. We're also going to do a prayer journey in our new year. We're going to start seven days. I think it's January 4 through 10 or something like that. But there's a little booklet like this that's going to lead you and guide you. It's a fasting and prayer. You can fast as much or as little as you want. But we're calling our church to prayer to bring in 2024. You can pick one of these up. Pastor Kerry is actually back there at a table with this kind of stuff. And we want you to be informed on that. So please be in prayer about all of these things. Let's pray for, for Christmas Eve. Lord, we really do trust you that your grace will be sufficient next weekend to touch people, to redeem them. Even in a short window, you can do it in a second. Invite them to follow you. We thank you for it, Lord. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bring home the prodigals, amen. So don't be afraid to put a first name up there. And if you get here and there's a line, just start handing these papers back. And it doesn't take very long at all to clear out. But hey, this song is a great declaration song. Would you stand if you're able? And let's wrap up by singing this song together. team if you wouldn't mind a prayer team coming over to this side so that we can leave room for this uh, putting a name on here if you want prayer come on up and let us pray for you otherwise lots of tables out there let love live say it with me let love live God bless you thank you for being Timberline see you next Sunday